HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Rancho Gordo, growing the best and most interesting heirloom beans available. Learn more at ranchogordo.com. Welcome to The Big Food Question, a podcast exploring the most urgent questions from a food industry in crisis. I'm Kat Johnson, HRN's Communications Director. Today, we're asking, is it safe to go apple picking? I spoke to two people about the impacts that COVID-19 has had on farms, particularly those who rely on agritourism to stay in business. Agritourism is broadly defined as any activity that brings visitors to a farm. If you've ever shopped from a farm stand, been apple picking, gotten lost in a corn maze, or toured a winery, then you are an agritourist. Most farms use agritourism for supplemental income, but some farms that are located near urban areas increasingly rely on visitors for significant revenue. The Hudson Valley is home to many great examples of this. It's a quick train ride from New York City, so its farms welcome visitors for blueberry picking in the spring and apple picking in the fall. No one better understands Hudson Valley agritourism than Kaylin Sanders. My name is Kaylin Sanders. I'm the founder and CEO of EscapeMaker.com. EscapeMaker provides New York City area residents with opportunities to explore the countless farms and agritourism destinations located within a day's drive or a train ride of the city. Full disclosure, they are a frequent partner and supporter of HRN. I spoke to Kaylin about the immediate impacts on farms when COVID-19 first shut down the New York City area. We obviously had to postpone a lot because we just didn't know what would unfold the guidelines coming down from the governor. We actually had a woman in food and farming festival planned. So as far as our pivot, uh, we immediately started reaching out to our clients to see what their plans were because obviously, you know, there was sort of a whole lots of things that need to be rescheduled and reslotted. And also there was just big question marks. While agritourism was put on hold, interest in local food took off this spring like never before. Farms were able to capitalize on that. Obviously, they're focused on their CSA. They're focused on more the local community. But the Hudson Valley is unique in that it's so close to a huge metropolitan area and supported by infrastructure and organizations like EscapeMaker. So what about small farms in other regions? For a case study, I turned to Hickory Nut Gap Farm near Asheville, North Carolina. So I'm Jamie Yeager. 
and I'm a fourth generation farmer here at Hickory Nut Gap. Jamie's family used to run a dairy, but around 2000, they gained a new vision. And my wife Amy and I started doing sustainable ag, you know, pasture-based methods about 20 years ago here on our farm. And, you know, we were just really lucky to be so close to an urban market that we could sell to with a highly receptive customer base that we've been able to, to grow as a company. As Hickory Nut Gap made a name for itself, people wanted to visit the farm to shop, attend events, and learn about where their food comes from. And so part of our mission is to build community through agriculture and pay attention to all the pieces that, that, that create a successful relationship between people and food. And one thing that we've been able to do here at the farm is, is, is to let people come out to the farm, see the animals. And I think that for humans, it's almost like a spiritual need that you've got to be connected to land and animals. And so many people are so disconnected nowadays that giving them that opportunity is, is a primal need. Many agritourism activities seem low risk since they're outdoors. However, Jamie explained how they decided that they could no longer welcome visitors. I mean, it was hard and it wasn't hard, right? In, in, in that we, we recognized that we couldn't sustain our operational model if we had people here. And coupling that with not being exactly sure when things were going to open back up. And so because we had to be super careful with our staff, and, and, and we were careful with our staff because we don't want anybody to get sick, number one. But number two, if somebody does get sick, we can't really afford to shut it all down. And so in, in that way, we just couldn't really be too risky. I asked Jamie if he thought that they'd be able to reopen by fall. Uh, I mean, I think right now, just based on where things are at right now, it feels unlikely, to be honest. So we're not really looking at the that as a practical reality um and 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 that said you know the diff- one of the difficult parts about an agritourism farm is staffing and the and the various staffing ups and downs and preparing to staff up and preparing to staff down and all the headaches there and in a normal year you know for september and october we have a lot of people so in august is whenever you really have to be managing a lot of that staffing change well, you certainly don't want to go out and tell a bunch of people you're hiring right now with COVID and all the issues. So if we're not considering getting ourselves organized for staffing up right now, then that's basically saying we're not going to do the fall season because we're not putting any energy into that, And which I think is the correct decision. Because I don't think, especially with schools being closed this fall, and 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 the fact is that we're seeing sustained growth through our CSA and through our pick on, uh, you know, on-farm pickup. And we're actually doing some creative stuff with an online shipping. And so we're going to build a CSA box for shipping online. So we're going to start doing that as well. So we're, we're sort of streamlining our focus on, on the, the thing that works for us, which is just the meat. And then it's allowing us to buy some time to give 2021 a more deliberate thought process. While some farms have been able to ramp up revenue streams like CSA programs, some are just not set up to pivot away from agritourism. Here's Kaylin again. You know, New York is is all about apples, and that is our brand. Orchards near New York City rely on folks coming up to do U-Pick. And Kaylin says that they're gearing up to ensure that that can happen this year, with safety measures in place. 
And, you know, they understand that there's, there needs to be some enforcement here. But obviously, apple picking is outside. Um, two of my clients that do apple picking, including Stone Ridge Orchard and um, Fishkill to some, some extent, you can drive right up to the trees with your car. So you have your, you know, PPE around you, <laughs> basically. And so, you know, I think that it, as long as people are observant with, you know, between their different groups, these orchards are large and people can spread out and I I would encourage people to to do that that's really going to save these these farmers it's fresh food it's great activity and unless we get guidelines otherwise I'm telling people that apple picking is on for 2020 definitely even Jamie despite not being able to welcome visitors to his farm this fall thinks that overall agritourism is safe Yes, I do. And and I think that there's some agritourism farmers that aren't so dependent on like retail meat sales that sh- there will absolutely be awesome to go visit and totally should because it's an important part of that. It's the only part of their business model, especially these local apple farmers around here. Um, and I think it's similar to like going to a brewery. I mean, these breweries are open back up and I hung out at one the other day and you can socially distance pretty well there and sit outside and Um, And that works pretty well. So another big question here is, will agritourism help farms survive COVID-19? Both Kaylin and Jamie had thought a lot about what the future might hold. There'll be an economic downturn out of this. And and what impact does that have on the sustainable ag movement? The last real downturn we had was 08, 09. And I think this movement was still at such a young phase to where it wasn't super impacted because there was still people with money. And and that's my, my hope is that people will continue to pivot towards healthier alternatives. Because, I mean, from a value standpoint, you know, the retail sticker shock of a grass-fed beef or some pasture-raised pork or local vegetables is always higher. But from a sort of value standpoint, you know, healthcare is always going to be more expensive you know, health is wealth and, and all those sort of more philosophical ways to, to look at economics, um, I believe will still continue to drive this movement in a direction that that is going to be positive for us. Because I think that there's a growing recognition that, you know, we're not just kind of like telling a niche story and keep, keeping family farms going. We're also solving issues like climate change and and much more structural problems that are that need attention. Agritourism is not going away. If anything, it's going to explode even more. So many people who never maybe went to a farmer's market who are finally checking this out and making it a regular part. And that's, of course, what we've been preaching all along. (laughs) But it's super cool to see people who never used to shop in farmer's markets that are like, oh, well, this is the safe place to go. And a lot of markets are doing pre-orders. You know, a lot of the the farmers are doing pre-orders so people can get in and out. So, again, I think it's positive. It's all positive right now. I want to give my deep thanks to Kaylin Sanders of Escape Maker and Jamie Ager of Hickory Nut Gap Farms for speaking with me about agritourism. You can learn more about both of them at the links in the show notes. For more information about safely visiting farms this fall, we've compiled some resources, guidelines, and public health information. See our show notes for those links. Thanks for listening to The Big Food Question. Stick around to hear what makes our show possible.
This episode is brought to you by Rancho Gordo. Over the past 19 years, Rancho Gordo has led the revival of heirloom beans, taking the lowly bean from a healthy but neglected member of the vegetable family to a near superstar status ingredient. From growing the best and most interesting beans available to making sure all crops are fresh and a pleasure to cook with, Rancho Gordo's mission is to encourage cooks to experience and enjoy the unique flavors of heirloom beans. Rancho Gordo produces nearly 30 varieties of heirloom beans and lentils, as well as corn, grains, chilies, and other cooking ingredients. You can learn more at ranchogordo.com. That's R-A-N-C-H-O-G-O-R-D-O.com. Don't forget to subscribe to The Big Food Question wherever you get your podcasts. Check back often as we address critical questions for eaters, operators, and workers across food topics and business sectors. If you have a question you'd like the show to answer, you can email us at question at heritageradionetwork.org. The Big Food Question is produced by Katie Mosman-Wadler, Hannah Forden, Dylan Hoyer, Matt Patterson, Luke Griffin, Jenny Dorsey, and me, Kat Johnson. Our audio engineer is Matt Patterson. Our theme song was composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. The Big Food Question is powered by Simplecast. The content of this series is provided for general information only and should not be considered professional advice. You should obtain professional or specialist advice before taking or refraining from any action on the basis of this content. This project is funded in part by a Humanities New York CARES grant with support from the National Endowment for the Humanities and the Federal CARES Act. This program is also supported in part by public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with the City Council. The Big Food Question is a production of Heritage Radio Network, the world's pioneer food radio station. You can learn more at heritageradionetwork.org and follow us at heritage underscore radio.